0: Welcome to Sing Those Cubby Blues. I'm David Bloomberg. I'm David Westergreen. Yeah, so we're back. The Cubs, since we last aired, uh, the Cubs did a lot of things. They clinched their postseason spot. The season has now ended. They eliminated the Cardinals for contention the day after clinching their postseason spot. Joe put out the uh, IDGAF, the No Fucks Lineup. (laughs) <laughs> uh, the day after clinching and we still won the game and eliminated them eliminated the cardinals from the postseason so that was fun that was a lot of fun uh, mm. we had Leonis Martin in that lineup Taylor Davis Tommy Lastella Victor Caratini Mike Freeman and we somehow still won that game so that's always nice it's always a good thing i um, think yeah the end of the season season's over yeah just started and, and since you last saw us yeah they clinched and i don't think it was in any serious doubt when we last podcasted when we last posted an episode but we uh you know it's just good to have it actually happen and so it's you know the cubs get set to play the nationals they start on friday night game the uh the starters have been announced so Max Scherzer's hamstring—they're saying he's going to be pushed back to Game Three—and the Cubs have said that Jake Arrieta's hamstring is pushing him back to Game Four. So Game One, we're getting Kyle Hendricks versus Steven Strasburg, going to be a real interesting matchup. I'm looking forward to it. Game <laughs> Two, we get John Lester versus Gio Gonzalez, and in Game Three, we're going to get uh, we're going to get Jose Quintana on the mound. We're going to get Q. And uh, those are the only guaranteed games in the NLDS, obviously. So, uh, obviously the the roster hasn't been announced yet, but we know what the rotation's going to look like. We know those first four games and how those line up. So, what do you what are you what do you think of that? What do you think of that rotation? <sighs> uh, it's it's tough because I'm inclined to believe
1: Quintana should be the Game superstarter instead of Lester. Uh, keeping Lester at home makes more sense to me because he's been very fly ball home run prone. And Wrigley in October, at night, the wind's going to be blowing in. He, he's going to have a better chance of keeping the ball in the park, whereas Quintana, he's keeping the ball in the park no matter where he goes. So I, But the argument against Quintana's number two starter is on the road, first playoff start, Versus at home, first playoff start, I understand wanting to put Quintana in the most comfortable spot, but he's been the Cubs' best pitcher in the second half. I think he should absolutely, he could be, he could be my game one starter. I wouldn't have had any issues with it, but Kyle Hendricks is getting the love he deserves.
0: Yeah, I think the the idea for it, and I think there's a couple thoughts here, is that they, one, I think maybe they want Quintana pitching at home and Lester on the road, and two, that They want that defense up the middle of Almora and Russell and Baez. Uh, You know, the Cubs are going to be shifting the lineups a little bit. I would imagine Russell and Baez are going to be starting pretty much every playoff game as the middle infield, as they pretty much primarily did last postseason. I don't think Joe is going to mess with that too much because that's a lot of a good thing. But they'll also probably put Almora in center for that game, the thought being that Gio Gonzalez is a left-handed pitcher. Russell, Baez, and Almora are our lefty-wrecking crew. (laughs) Like, that's what they do. They wreck lefties, uh, Mm -hmm. and so we want them out there for sure. So I'm thinking the thought is you you pitch Lester in the game where you're most likely to have the -the up-the-middle defense that he needs, that he mm-hmm. primarily really needs, uh, Contreras, uh, Russell, Baez, Almora, all up the middle. You pitch him in Game 2 where he's going to need that defense, and in the game where it's also going to help align your lineup. Mm-hmm. That could be the thought here. Is You have all four... Yep. Of the, I mean, like I said, Contreras, Russell, Baez, those are guys who are going to start most of the playoff games. But uh, definitely... Putting Almora out there as well, it lends itself to a lineup that stacks against a left-handed pitcher. Gonzalez is not without his faults; he's not without his flaws. And the way to, I definitely think one way to get to him is with guys who can mash a lefty.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, he's been good this year
1: too. He was he was real solid. Um, my, that that's exactly. That's exactly the perfect thing to say that I would say yeah I mean Almora hitting against Gonzalez is much more likely but my one thing that that I would say that may happen is at sec, I think Tommy Lasstella ends up at second base when we play Max Scherzer. He has really good numbers against Scherzer and the Cubs are going to need contact bats in the lineup against Scherzer. So
0: I don't know. I, think I mean Lacella I, I, said, I...
1: Plays, by, whether or not
0: Bias plays third base and Chris Bryant moves to the outfield, there's possible. I, but I feel I don't like there. Think I feel company... I with Scherzer, I feel like there's an opposing argument there, though. I'm not saying you're wrong. I am yeah. saying, however, that I think there's an opposing argument and one that I think, you know, what I think here is that if you're thinking, okay, Scherzer is going to be a limiting pitcher for us anyways, he's their best, he's the likely NL Cy Young again this year for the second straight year. You're thinking, okay, he's pr- he's got the best chance to limit us. We need to keep run prevention as we have to, we have to keep our run prevention as high as possible. We need to keep those guys on the field, and so you're thinking, Baez at second base gives us the best chance to do that because the gap between Baez and Listella is huge. You know, Lestella is not a good defender at any position. Not any position that anyone's discovered yet.
2: <laughs>
0: you know, and uh, he's a great offensive player. He can hit the ball. But it, nobody, no one's discovered a place that he can play where he's defensively a positive or even break-even. Um, so the question becomes... Do you think that his bat is enough to make up for the potential loss of defense? Cause his double play turns are slow.
1: I think Lestella's bat right now is, uh, it's also got a ton of value off the bench, but he is really, really hitting the ball. Well, like he's one of the top Cubs bats in the, on the season. If you're going by WRC plus or Woba or any of those, he's one of the top bats. If you if you drop the plate appearances down to like 200, he's one of the top guys. It's like KB Contreras, Rizzo, Lestella. He's right there. Yeah. So absolutely. he's real valuable right now. He walks a lot. He take he sees a lot of pitches. He had that 17 pitch at bat the other day. I really like him. I really like getting him in there. But I whether or not whether or not he's just the pinch hitter late is fine that's a fine use for him i have no issues with that
0: i suppose there's an argument to be made too that quintana is like the least of this group of starters probably the least like ground ball heavy Mm -hmm. you know he's probably like the least like leaning towards a ground ball style and so maybe you don't need as much of uh the bias russell combination up the middle however like i said it's just such a big gap between those guys you know, I mean, like, the second-best second-base option the team has is Zobrist. And then the mm-hmm. third-best is Hap. And then beneath those three is Lastella. And uh, it's one of those things where, y- yeah, you have to decide if the off and-, and these are the decisions Joe is making, honestly, every game. Like I said, I don't see him messing with Baez Russell up the middle too much. This season, Baez basically became an everyday player. Primarily at second, when Russell was hurt at short. And we saw how well that would, that worked. Baez really, he, he added in more power to his game again. Um, he's a really good player. You know? And some yep. years, he's definitely going to be like borderline all-star, probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I mean... It's an it's an interesting thing, right there.
1: I did I went and looked up Gio Gonzalez versus righties. Uh, he is very hittable for righties. Joe's going to stack up that lineup with righties. I think the only lefty we'll see is uh, Rizzo.
0: Yeah, Rizzo, Rizzo will definitely be in there. But I'm thinking I'm thinking that switch hitters and right-handed batters are going to be the are going to be the name yep. of the day. Yeah, you're gonna yeah you're definitely going to get you're going to get con- I think I think that's a game specifically that you see someone like Schwarber and like Schwarber and Hayward probably sitting out for right. that one you know
1: mhm I have no issues with that either I you know I love Kyle Schwarber I'll preach him all day but having a guy like Kyle Schwarber being able to come off the bench as soon as they put in a right-handed reliever that is a deployable weapon
0: yeah and, I'm thinking I'm thinking that yeah. The outfield for that game is in some combination, three of the four group, the three of the four of Almora, and Jay, and Hap, and Zobrist, uh, mm-hmm. and I think Almora is probably the one lock out of that group of four for right. game two. You know, he's going to be yep. he's going to be in center for that game, and the other three. I mean, who knows? It, it's really a toss-up at this point. Zobrist. Dropped. I mean,
1: I would. Would you think Joe would consider pitching or putting Wilson in left and doing
0: throwing Reen Rivera behind the plate the way he's been hitting? Well, it depends on if they even put Rivera on the roster. So that's another thing am, we. So that's another yeah. thing we got to talk about is we got to talk about the actual playoff roster, right? Right. Right. So as we figured it, we've had this discussion off podcast a little bit on Twitter and stuff too. There's got to be what about 21 locks for the roster? You're going through it. You're saying okay, yep. you know you got you got your infield Rizzo, Rizzo, Baez, Russell, Bryant. Yep. You got Contreras and Avila. You got the you got the four starters, so that's ten. Yep. Um, you yeah, got yeah, yeah. you got uh, in the outfield. You've got Almora, Schwarber. Hayward, Hap, Jay, and we can count Zobrist as outfielder, mm-hmm. infielder. He's a lock. So you're talking then you're up to sixteen, I believe. Then. Yep, I got sixteen. Uh, and then there's five bullpen locks. Mm-hmm. Five bullpen locks, which would be Davis, Edwards, Strope, Dunsing, and Montgomery. So we're yep. at twenty. So we're at twenty-one. Twenty-one. They've already exactly they've, where, where they, we they've already hinted that they're going to carry Lackey. <clears throat> Twenty-two, uh, and that was what get, you know. The last game of the season, they used him out of the bullpen. That was to get him used to the idea of coming out of there, and he's he's clearly open to it. Huh. Uh, because it's the postseason, you know. During the regular season, this is not something Lackey would ever do. Right. But in the postseason, Lackey, you know. He's one of those guys who like the postseason is a totally different animal to him, because he's got one of those brains. He's, he's he's got he's got animal brain, you know. <laughs> he's got animal brain, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So he's twenty two. Listella, almost indefinitely, almost undoubtedly carrying Listella as a left handed pinch hitter.
1: You have to carry Listella. That that bench bat to pinch hit is just way too important.
0: So 23. I believe Joe today intimated uh, to the media that he was looking at carrying eight out of the bullpen. Okay, so this is th- what throws a wrench into it, because my calculations were at 23 right now. The final two, I had thought you got to a place where the decision would be between that group of Wilson, Rondone, Grimm, and really more just like Wilson or Rondone. And then Rivera and Leonis Martín yep. for the final two spots. But if Joe wants to carry an eighth guy out of the bullpen in addition to the uh, in addition to that Rondon slash Wilson Lackey and five locks group, then that means that there's probably not a spot for. Rivera Rivera, or Martin and so yep. I like the idea of carrying Rivera because you can use those guys creatively you can put Contreras in left even if it's just late in a game even if it's just for the first three or four innings you can do that there's ways you can utilize those guys or just you can use one of the three catchers as a pinch hitter Yep. sometime in the game without feeling like you've burned through your only backup catching option. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Joe likes the eight-man bullpen, but I am wondering if that's actually what they're going to do. I could see reasoning behind it. Mm-hmm. Jake, we don't know how his hamstring is going <coughs> to shake. You know, for one, you don't know how Jake's hamstring is going to shake out. Right. So you're thinking maybe we're going to need more bullpen innings just right there.
1: And if Jake goes down and you say, hey, hey, Lackey's got to be our game four starter or Montgomery, I would, I would want Montgomery instead of Lackey. But if Jake goes down, you can add Reen Rivera right there. Hey, there he is. Boom. So it's not a, it's not a net. You'll never see him, but he's been so successful since coming over. I, I just, he's, he's been, he's been hot. He's gotten lucky. He, I, I, took, a, I can't he, see a reason to leave him off.
0: Yeah, like I said, I think the only thing they're thinking is that, uh, is that they might need more bullpen innings. I think that would be more of a concern for me in like a long series. Right. But, uh, but I could see it. I could see it. And obviously, if they go with that eight-man bullpen, I think the final two guys are Rondon and Wilson. Yep. And I think they should be then. I would put Wilson ahead of Rondon right now just because of pedigree and because Wilson at times recently has looked very good. Uh,
1: There were people jumping off the Justin Wilson bandwagon, and I still feel like that's just way too early. He's very good.
0: He is very good, and I I don't know how he's going to pitch this postseason. I cannot guarantee to you how he will pitch, but I would guess that in 2018 he's – basically the same guy he was before he got to the Cubs, and I really don't doubt that. Whatever is happening with him, right? I mean, maybe even the break here before the playoffs will allow him to get, hit the reset button. Yep. I mean, there's no way to know how player. you know, we can't quantify player psychology. I'm sure somebody will come up with a way someday to quantify the psychology <laughs> of players, but we can't do that right now quantifying human psychology is a difficult task. Uh, We have no idea what he's thinking or feeling or how that even affects his performance on the mound. Uh, But, hey, maybe hitting the big old red reset button will help. Who knows? I hope so. But So. um, But I think, you know, it's a playoff series. It's a short playoff series. You're probably looking at primarily using the five relievers we mentioned as locks. You're you're not going to use a Rondon or a Wilson too much, I wouldn't think, which is why it would be surprising to me to carry eight, especially knowing that Montgomery and Lackey both are capable of multiple innings. Davis, in the last few weeks of the season, showed he will go multiple innings. Edwards showed he's ready to go multiple innings. Strope, we know, can go multiple innings if we ask him to because he's done it before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he and Dunsing even showed the ability to be able to do so. I wouldn't do. I wouldn't throw Dunsing multiple innings in the playoffs. I, I think probably Dunsing's not. My left.
1: He's my lefty deploy weapon. My shut down Bryce Harper guy. That's Brian Dunsing.
0: Yeah. So, but but I think that we have a lot of guys who can go multiple, who can go one yep. plus. And especially Montgomery and Lackey, we know we can get quite a bit out of them, uh, so no worries there.
1: I just, I, I just don't see the benefit to to bringing Justin Wilson and Rondone in the short series. However, I see the, that, you know, you may need one or both. I mean, both of them are capable of striking out the side at any given time. Uh, they're they're middle innings closers, you know, and that's. Because especially because Justin Wilson could come in and strike out the side, Rondon could come in and strike out the side, or they could come in and give up two home runs or three walks or whatever. But they're the kind of they're the kind of guy that the the way Joe used Grimm, that's how he's going to use those guys in the playoffs. If the starter's struggling, he needs a shut down inning. He's going to bring a guy like that in because they're going to have electric stuff. The question will be, does that stuff translate to results? And all year it's been up and down with both. With Rondone, it's been more up recently than down. With Wilson, it's been more up recently know, than down.
0: But you know, so, I, but carrying them both, it just because if a if a starter gets into trouble early, then it's Lackey or Montgomery who's coming into the game yeah. to bridge that gap to get to the later innings, and then in that late game scenario, it's Dunsing, it's Edwards, it's Strope, it's Davis. 100 yep, yep. percent uh so the the role for those guys is narrow like you said wilson is the lefty he's like the second lefty option to dunsing in terms of go get bryce harper go get right. uh, the good and the, and, the...
2: yeah and, and in his career
0: justin
1: wilson has been a reverse splits pitcher so he's not even that good at doing what you use brian dunsing for who is very good at getting lefties out
0: yeah and so, so that i mean so that's that that, that that's you this, know yeah i mean i would carry wilson but personally i'd like to see renee rivera on this roster yep so but, would i but i don't i don't honestly know what they're gonna do because I think so so, I think these next few days you'll hear a lot of comments from Joe and from everyone involved. And maybe, you know, by the time this episode comes out, we might have the roster because I'm planning to get this up about a day before the series starts. And by that time they yeah. may have made more comments to the effect of what the roster will look like. but Okay. But, I mean... i don't know what to predict i i if i had to predict i will say they will go with eight relievers just because i know how much joe likes that and i know that they probably ha- still have some lingering concerns about jake's hamstring and how it'll hold up hmm. and they're thinking okay we might have to get more innings out of this on the back end uh so a that's po- so that's possible um And it's not like the end of the world if they don't carry Rivera. It's just something we'd like to see. He's been, I would like to ride the
1: wave. He's got a 500 BABIP right now, and I would like to ride that as long as it's going to happen. Um, As especially as a late inning pinch hitter where you just need a hit and they've got Sean Doolittle in trying to close out the game. I mean, that's where I put Ren Rivera up at the plate because I think he's going to make contact right now. And when he makes contacts, it's dropping in for a hit one out of two times.
0: So... Yeah, and especially like I like him. Let me, at, let me ride the wave. And he's and he's a great defensive so. catcher too. You yeah. know, if you have a situation where you need, if you have a situation where you do start Avila and you want to use Contreras uh, to bring Contreras in for the late innings or to use Contreras as a pinch hitter, either way, having a third catcher there is a nice uh, thing to have. It's not an absolute necessity in the playoffs. You get more off days than you get throughout the season, and in and they're closer to each other. So definitely, it's not like an everyday sort of thing. You play two, you get an off day. You play two, you get an off day. That's you know, the, I mean, that's the NLDS. Yep. So there's two off days built into a five game series. Already, so it's not as much needed, but I I do like Rene Rivera. I like him as a right-handed pinch hitter, facing left-handed pitching. I mm-hmm. like him as a defensive catcher, who can come in and provide defense late. Yep. Uh, yeah. So,
1: so how about our prediction for the actual NLDS? Not the playoffs, because the playoffs is. A finicky, little, a finicky little attitude, what's going to happen at the
0: end of the series? Who, I mean, who walks away? that's the hardest thing in baseball to predict is playoff series because when you start a season, if I had said at the start of the season, Mike Trout is going to be good this year, you would have been like, well, yeah, of course <laughs> Mike Trout is going to be good this year. You're like, there are some things that are knowable. I want to I want to plug what I said real
1: quick right before the season. I, my MVP was Giancarlo Stanton before the season, uh, and I and said you're... he was going to hit. I said he was going to hit 60 home runs. He hit 59. The
0: he, you hit were 59.
1: Wrong. he hit 59. He hit 59 by one. You missed Homer. One. Yeah, it's a, yeah, and nobody crazy. had ever hit 60 homer, and he. Hit, I wanted him to get 60. I was kind of mad that he didn't, but I nailed that. So, this series. I have going a really long a long series five four or five no matter what. Um, these teams are close to where I would give a slight edge to the Nats right now just because I mean they played better all year, so they get the slight edge. But this Cubs team is dangerous as crap. They're gonna be really good, obviously we already know that. So it's just a matter of you know getting to game five and then being able to deploy all your resources to win game five. The Nats have faltered in the past. The Cubs have not had to go to Game 5 in the past. So I'm
2: interested to see how it's going to go. I think we go to Game 5. I think the Cubs throw Kyle Andrews Hendricks with Quintana willing to come out of the pen with Mike Montgomery already. You know, if anything goes wrong, I think they I use, use Winn-Davis for three innings. I mean, it's, I mean, it's the, the kind of game, game where, where the Cubs are going go to that, go all and all out, all that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Nats and nats are are trying to, to, try try to win, and it'll be one of those playoff playoff games. It's going to happen? happen and, you happen. know, and we they know they are upset. upset. I mean, I'm. It's, it's 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 a very, very it's a perfectly reasonable it's to 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 a serious series. Serious. But, but I mean that means it comes with some rest time, an extra month to rest. They'll, they'll be geared up for 2018 with
0: some I don't even. I, I mean, I don't even want to think about that. You know, I. I'm, I'm perfect. Like I'm. The pressure's off, man. For me, no, this no, is. yeah. I mean, is, but
1: I'm excited about some playoff baseball. Me I'm just too, really but you know, excited.
0: I I still want to win. You know, uh,
1: I'm I want to win, and we can w- we'll be better in 2018, even if we lose in 2017. I'm okay with it. You don't win the World Series every year. Nobody repeats. If we it, repeat,
0: if we repeat, it'll just be the greatest thing, and I'll and have love it, uh, every second of it. Making a prediction for me is tough mm-hmm. because no no nlds first of all no nlds prediction matters anybody who tells you they know what's going to happen is lying to you because it's five games between two really good teams and baseball sometimes gets weird yep if i had to get my prediction though is cubs in five that's fair and (laughs) uh here's why I usually am not a fan of inflating the importance of managers. I'm not a big fan of that. I but think if it that, comes down to it. But if it comes down to it, Joe Madden will out uh, Joe Madden is a far greater tactical manager than Dusty Baker is. Now I'm that's not to say there are hundreds. Hundreds, that's not to say there are not some frustrations with Joe Madden as there are for every manager in MLB. Even Terry Francona and Joe Madden, who I think are two of the best, have their tactical issues at times. (laughs) We saw that in the way that they both used Andrew Miller and Araldus Chapman last World Series in spots they probably didn't need to and later suffered the consequences. (laughs) Um, But... But, yep. but tactically, Joe Madden is one of the top three or four in Major League Baseball as a manager. Yep. He, is, he is unafraid to do things that are backed up by the numbers, that are backed up by the data, that are backed up by what knowledge the organization has about what works in certain situations, even though it may look strange from the outside. Uh, and Dusty Baker is stodgy. And stu- <laughs> to say the least, Dusty Baker is stubborn, and yes. he likes to run his pitchers into the ground. Yep, he likes to leave. The, he likes to leave them out there when they're clearly done. Um, and that was a problem for his team against the Dodgers last season. Last year. Uh, what Cubs. I love, what I love about that specific aspect and
1: going into this series as a Cubs fan is, you know, rooting interest is in the Cubs, the, you know, and you look at the series, you're like, God, Strasburg and Scherzer, man, and one of them's going to pitch twice and gosh, that's just scary. But the Cubs have shown this propensity all year to go through that first time in the order and just absolutely get mowed down five, six strikeouts the first time through. And the second time through, they come out and they hit the pitcher. I mean, that happened most recently with Martin, Carlos Martinez in the uh, in the the Cardinals series. The I think this is the game they lost, but Carlos Martinez came out. He looked unhittable. He was striking out all the Cubs. Had six strikeouts by the second and third inning. And the second time through, the Cubs got a few hits off of him. I don't think they scored, but it's one of those that kind of rattled him a little bit. But see, where Dusty Baker is going to falter. Is he's still going to trust Martinez to go through that third time in the order, especially because the Nats bullpen doesn't have that middle of the
0: well, right, 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 yeah,
1: middle of the middle of the game elite reliever that can come in and just shut everything down. Doolittle's been really good at the back end, but once again, you know the Cubs are going to be able to deploy Albert Almora and you know Tommy Lastella into this into into Sean Doolittle and make it really tough on him. Guys who can hit lefties really well, and they're going to take walks, and, and they're uh, pitches, and they're going to wear him down. So if they have to rely on Brandon Kinsler and I, and
0: can't I think not they, they
1: have, but Matt, they be, got tough.
0: they got Doolittle and Kinsler and Madsen. Yeah,
1: it's going to be tough for them, and especially if if Dusty starts liking his pitcher the first time through, and by the third time through he the pitcher is still in the game, the Cubs are going to feast. Yeah, because that, that could really swing at the Cubs in favor.
0: Because you see it, managers tend to understand in this modern era that the playoffs are a different beast. And that you have to, like, we saw in the AL wildcard game, which was just last night on the eve of recording this, uh, Molitor and Girardi pulled their starters early because they weren't any good. And it was earlier than they probably would have pulled them in the regular season because you need to eat innings in the regular season, but this was a one-game situation. It was win or take all. And they knew that. And they knew that they couldn't afford to put themselves at a disadvantage for too long. Uh, obviously, that played into the Yankees' hands because the Yankees have the much deeper bullpen. Right. And they did end up winning, but... Mm-hmm. Molitor had to make that move as well. You know, you can't leave someone out there to get bashed when you have when you're in an elimination playoff game. Dusty will not. You know, he did not use his roster the way that Dave Roberts was willing to in that series last last year. Yep. And I don't believe he would use his roster the same way that Joe would. And moreover, he makes some really bizarre lineups. Dusty. <laughs> He's got that. And Anthony Rendon is sh- is an MVP candidate. He's the MVP
1: of the Nationals, and he hits sixth and seventh all year. Yeah, so because he, that that because, says
0: everything. Because he had because ha- you have to bat the stolen base guy at the top of the batting order. Everyone knows that. Like you Anthony Rendon should have been their leadoff hitter, man. I, I mean, okay. he still should. It's fine, be there. it's
1: fine, it's fine. Dusty's going to bat him seventh, and he'll get two less played appearances.
0: No, I'm and, fine with it. It's just you know. Right. It, But, you know, up top, you know, it should absolutely be Rendon and Harper and Murphy and Zimmerman. And that group should all be at the top there. Tria Turner is a fine player. But in this, his second season, his deficiencies have shown. Mm -hmm. The fact that he never takes a walk, the fact that he swings at basically everything. Those deficiencies have shown. That doesn't mean he's not a good player. It just means that he's probably not the megastar that he appeared he could be in his rookie season. Because if he can't hit, like, 35 home runs a season, then the inability to see pitches will hurt him. (laughs) You know, we, Mm -hmm. we know that for a fact. Even as he plays shortstop now and he plays a premium position, that's gonna hurt. But the Nationals have they have a group of elite hitters. Yep. They have a group of they have a group of four guys who are identifiably elite hitters. and then they have some really good players who do other things really well, like Michael Taylor being an yep. excellent defensive player, uh, Tria Turner being an excellent base runner. Those are things that they have outside of that, and then they have Matt Weiders who does nothing well, and
1: but... Jason Jason Worth who does nothing except take walks. But I uh, yeah, their but, uh, their lineup is dangerous. It's scary, but it's not unbeatable.
0: So it's a it's essentially a split neutral lineup. So there's that. There you're not going to gain too much of a splits advantage on them with any yeah. starting pitcher. So. That wasn't even really a question when setting the rotation. Um, But, yeah, I mean, if you ask me what my prediction is, I'll say Cubs in five, simply because I think those little tiny things that matter more in a playoff series because tiny marginal advantages don't matter that much in a 162-game season. But in a five-game sample, a small marginal advantage does matter and i think that's what a man a good manager is is a small marginal advantage that matters more by percentage in a playoff series i think when you need someone who's willing to make the more fearless decision you want someone like joe madden dusty baker has great fear he fears the modern (laughs) game of baseball he fears the modernization of baseball. Dusty is still around due to inertia. He caught on with the Nationals when they were ready to be competitive, when they were competitive. And as we know, the way sports kind of work is whether you're good, bad, or otherwise, as a manager or head coach, if your team is doing well, that will save you. Yep. yep. I think it doesn't du- matter what you're doing. I think Dusty is still one of the best 30 potential managers in the game of baseball because he's stayed around this long because he must be but that does not mean he is upper echelon i think that he is he is a good communicator i think he communicates well with his players but i think the modernization of baseball scares him to death and he does not know how to deal with it
1: i think you're right i really do um Let's let's take that into kind of a year in review, because the season's over, man. It's it, playoffs are starting, and I'm excited. But oh, my my prediction is Nats in five, because then I won't be upset when the Cubs win.
0: Okay, so let's do, let's do some fun <laughs> year in review stuff. So year in review, do you remember that after April Wilson Contreras was hitting below league average? Yes. Yes. yes okay. Do. Yeah. Okay. So we're on I board. Do. Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. Clearly, that is not the case anymore. Wilson is a good player. Turns he's out, pro- surprising. He's posted over three <laughs> WAR this season. Would have been potentially around a four and a half, five F WAR player if he had stayed healthy. Very possibly an MVP candidate. Uh, catchers who do that. And uh, Jeff Passan. I don't know how many of you saw this. He did an exercise recently where he pulled MLB executives for end of season all-MLB teams in the style of how the uh, NBA does it, where they have mm-hmm. all NBA teams at the end of the year. And he did three teams for that, three. And uh, Wilson Contreras made the third team was the third team catcher. And it's very possible he would have been the second team or even first team catcher if he had been healthy all season long, the two ahead of him being Posey and Gary Sanchez, both guys who have flaws at this point but are both really good players. Nonetheless, Contreras, I think, I don't think I'm going out on a limb by saying he's a more complete player than Buster Posey at this point. He's a more complete player than Gary Sanchez. I have Um. no idea what – in those six or so weeks that Wilson was out, we have no idea what would have happened. Right. But but I think on skills, he's a more complete player than Posey. He's not the framer that Buster Posey is. No. But I, I think I would
1: I would still put Buster Posey out of him, and Gary Sanchez offensively is... Um... This dynamic uh, he's yeah. not at he's not at a different level than Wilson Contreras but he and Wilson are not not the same hitter despite their similar stats they are very different hitters uh Gary Sanchez is a homers doesn't take have a good at bat he he walks a little more or a little less he's more swinging for the fences Wilson Contreras he he looks to put a bat on the ball have a good at bat uh he'll he'll probably run a higher on base percentage then Gary Sanchez and Gary will probably run a higher slugging, and they'll be very similar players. But uh, give me Wilson's arm and accuracy over Gary's very good arm and wildness, and Gary's not quite as good blocking the ball as Wilson.
0: Yeah, he's, he's not quite the defensive player, not quite the athlete.
1: If you're Wilson the Yankees is. or the Cubs, if you're the Yankees or the Cubs, you have a catcher, superstar, and you should be very excited. That's all I can tell. They are the, they're are they, they're, they're, they're very similar players.
0: There's a real there's a there's an upcoming catcher problem in MLB and it's that teams are having a hard time developing young catchers into above average players. So it's good that Sanchez and Contreras exist because they are legitimate superstars on their teams, on teams that look to be competitive for a year still for a number of years after this year. They will be cornerstones of their franchises. And there's very few catchers right now who are young and who we can say that about. Very, very few of those guys. That's why you keep seeing guys like Chris Ionetta get jobs at the major league level is because he's not an extraordinary catcher anymore. But veterans are hanging on because the young guys are not there yet. We, we, we've seen guys like Diaz with the Pirates, Carson Kelly with the Cardinals, uh... Plavecki with the mets those guys are not they're not at that level who knows if they ever will be yeah i think of austin hedges on the padres
1: he was a big name prospect who just kind of hasn't done anything uh i think of the guy for um the red Sox, christian vasquez uh even uh jorge alfaro for the phillies who came up and he hit some homers this year but he's another guy who they just don't know if they can rely on him. And, you know, these, these young catchers are just, they're not coming, coming up and playing well, but so it, it really is remarkable to see Gary Sanchez come up. I mean, he's hit 70 something homers in the last two years and Wilson Contreras come up and just be great players immediately. We don't see that anymore uh, for sure. But yeah,
0: yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that's – so there was that. The um... Cubs won 43-45 and 45 in the first half. They did. They, that was
1: that's actually a – you look back on it now and it's like, wow, were they really 43-45 and 45 at the break? The last game before the break, John Lester gave up 10 runs in the first inning. So it was not looking up. <laughs> it was not okay back in – what was that? August, July. No, yeah, Not yeah, okay yeah. in July. We were feeling very bummed, uh, but the Cubs had just traded for Jose Quintana. And that was something we predicted on the podcast uh, so, back in December,
0: which was cool. So the Cubs, but here's what happened the Cubs had the best record in the National League in the second half. They
2: 14,
0: did. Between 49 and 25. Bam. Very, very Ooh. good. Excellent. Just Excellent and you know i think that's closer to the true talent i think obviously i believe that is closer to the true talent level of the team i didn't i never believed that 43 and 45 was the true talent level of this group of guys and it did turn around as we predicted and it it turned around in a big way uh so yeah i think i think what you have is you have a good group of national league teams and it'll be interesting to see uh You're in review, uh, Javier Baez continued to dazzle us.
1: I think every game he had a moment where I went, Oh my God, how did he do that every single game? And it was, and when Addison Russell went down in the second half, Javier Baez stepped into shortstop and played as well as you can play, uh, when you are backing up someone's position, playing for an injured player, he was just absolutely fantastic at shortstop, uh, you're not going to see that in the in the numbers on fan graphs or baseball reference but just having watched Javi Baez play at shortstop he was doing things that there that russell is not going to do and Addison russell's a fabulous defensive shortstop i mean he was doing things that Addison russell is not going to do he was making backhanded diving plays in the hole turn, standing up and firing 100 miles an hour to first base to get the out once a
0: game taking away hits i mean it uh, was yeah it was remarkable and uh so we had, you know, the Cubs, one of the things that was remarkable about their 2015 and 2016 teams was the relative lack of debilitating injuries. Mm-hmm. This year that came to an end. Uh, nobody and the no- Cubs,
1: it was almost like the Cubs didn't know what to do too. They were constantly mishandling injuries. The, the DL is ten days. Put guys in the DL. What are you doing?
0: Yeah, it was but crazy. no, they let
1: they let Ben Zobris get hurt for and stay on the team for several weeks.
0: Jason Hayward.
1: Hayward. They Hayward was not DL'd for five or six days Lacky, after getting his uh, scraping his hand. Yeah, Lackey. Jake came back and pitched on a on a strained hamstring when we'd already wrapped up the division. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, no, it's crazy. Uh, how how did they not know how to okay. It's okay. It's because we had such good fortune the last two years. They had no idea how to handle injuries. Hopefully, we change that.
0: Yeah, Um, I mean, really, in 15 and 16, the worst thing that happened was Schwarber's injury. Uh, But it was... And that one wasn't
1: hard. You just throw him on the DL and bring him back for the World Series to be a 400 OBP guy. Yeah, Yeah, that's how you
0: do it. But obviously, that was not the catastrophic injury that, uh, you know, like we lost... Russell for a significant period of time this year, we lost Hendricks for a significant period of time this year, we lost Contreras for a significant period of time this year, Arietta had an, was injured at one point, Lackey was injured at a point, so uh, Zobrist, Zobrist Hayward. Lester, Hayward, um, yep. pretty pretty much a lot of injuries, a lot of a lot of injuries, and in spite of it, 92 wins. So. That tells me the team go. is really good, despite a slow start, and in spite of injuries, team wins 92 games. I'm pretty happy with that. 92 wins, division title, third straight year in the playoffs. I'm feeling fine. That's, uh, yep. 292 wins in three years. I don't think
1: I ever would have said that after it was roughly that many losses. Three years in a row before 2015. We saw,
0: yeah. So this year we saw Kyle Schwarber take his lumps, but re, he he had a brilliant second half resurgence.
1: I think I think next year we see what Kyle Schwarber's all about. He had 30 home runs and like a hundred and like a 400 plate appearances or something like that. I yeah, I think that... I think uh, 486. So he was almost a hundred a hundred plus shy of what a regular post plate appearance
0: set is like 600 620 so and that second half was truly remarkable i think he he did real well i think we see closer to that next season maybe not exactly that but i think we see closer to that i don't the play what what he did in the first half what he did before what he did after getting back from the minors i think is a lot more like who he is We had the debut of yet another Cubs rookie this season who absolutely was astounding, Ian Happ. He exceeded our wildest expectations for him this season. He really did. I think everyone expected maybe he comes up in the second half, maybe he comes up in September, and he's possibly a league average hitter, maybe a little bit below, and he provides versatility defensively and... He's a useful bench player. He's a useful rotating player. And he was a useful rotating player, but he hit well above league average this season. Hit a lot of home runs. Looked pretty good at the plate for a rookie. Uh, He'll have to cut down on the strikeouts, obviously. Those are elevated at generally upwards of about 30 or 31%. Was generally the range he stayed in throughout the year. But we've seen guys be able to improve upon that, and he had a good foundation. Good plate appearances, took his walks, saw his pitches, uh, hit with lots of power, and when he, and he, and he hit the ball hard. He hit mm-hmm. the ball hard quite often, uh, and that's a good thing. He play, He played better center field defense than we expected. He plays good corner outfield defense. He played a stable enough second base to be useful there. Uh, he's got a real spot in the lineup next season and he made himself valuable to the team as a rookie I only I expect him to only get better next season and over the next few seasons Uh, another successful first-round pick for the Cubs I would I agree
1: with absolutely everything you said about Ian I think he we never thought he was gonna be a power hitter he was like 15 homer guy Um, I think he hit 30-something over the course of AAA and the full season in the pros. Um, but with And with the juice ball, you can add a few homers, but I think 31 is way more than we expected. I think he ends up getting better defensively at multiple positions. He played some third base, which if he could play third base, that would obviously increase his versatility value. Uh, but his ability to play second base was there. He was okay. Uh, he was good in center field. He was all right in the corners, um, and in the corner outfield. But if you can play four or five positions, I mean, that gives you an incredible value. And I think he's going to improve at all those positions. He was a guy who played second base maybe in in college, and then switched to the outfield middle yeah. in the middle of being. He played a lot of, of, of
0: he played yeah. a lot of second base at Cincy and played some outfield, yeah. So and then he just switched the outfield almost full time in the minors, minors and then, and then, then switching was switching back, and,
2: back and, and forth as Joe as Joe required, required to make still Still very good, offensive very good offensive numbers. numbers. I think, I think we need to step, step back, back, back offensively just offensive because, because I, I think the are going to. They're gonna get trouble some trouble. We saw him, saw slump, him slump slump and then rebound rebound already already. So, so maybe so not, maybe but I, I, think I think eventually he does settle, does settle in settle as, as right where, where he is, a 120 WRC plus kind of hitter. Just from the way he hit the ball, he was hitting it very hard all
1: the time. Uh, ran the bases well. He was the Cubs' fastest player on uh on the, the fan on the Statcast feet per second measurement. He was the fastest player so yeah it was kind of an underreported
0: part of his game too yeah and his speed is good and he's
1: he's the kind of guy who could set the table in the future i i think he could if he could up the up the walk rate and subtract the strikeouts you know yeah definitely
0: if he makes if he if he makes a bit more contact and cuts down on those strikeouts a bit he's a potentially very good option at the top of the order so we'll see yeah but there's a whole lot more guys and stuff I'd love to touch on, but I think, like, I'll save some of those for post-mortem because I was thinking I might bring up uh, Wade Davis, I might bring up Mike Montgomery. Those guys have obviously been great, but there's a lot of stuff I want to touch on about them in kind of an off-season episode and kind of a post-mortem episode because they're interesting oh. guys that there's a lot there to discuss. Mm-hmm.
1: I think we could go into maybe just especially the one thing I want to mention – is that Chris Bryant took another step forward in his game this year. Uh, he struck out under 20% and walked more than he did last year. As a So he walked more, he struck out less, and he was a top five NL player in wins above replacement, on base percentage, and all these. He's probably not going to win the MVP, and he had as good, if not a better season than he did last year. <laughs> I definitely think he's...
0: I would say he's a top three candidate for the MVP, and uh, you know, there's that's the thing about the NL MVP race this year is there's no one person who ran away with this, mm-hmm. but there's that group of five or six players who should be considered right with each other. Mm. So and we Brian talk and, one of them. So yeah, so we talk MVP. Uh, you know, we'll do a
1: quick little award thing. Who are you giving the NL MVP to?
0: I thought about this long and hard, and I really do think that uh, for the NL MVP, I have to go with Joey Votto. Nice. Um, and here's why, right? My number two would be Chris Bryant, and it what it comes down to is that those two guys, none of the NL MVP candidates draw walks like them. hmm not quite, you know, but Votto especially, he's striking out like 11% of the time and walking over 19% of the time. Who does that?
2: <laughs> you know, yeah. and
0: uh, yeah, you could say he's a negative defensively, and that I think that's what, and he's a negative base running. That's what's so remarkable. He makes up all his value as an offensive player, mm-hmm. over 60% better than league average. And I just want to give it to him sort of on career basis, you know, like yeah, I am worried Joey Votto will walk through his career and people will forget the brilliance that was his career, and I don't want that to happen. Yeah, I gotcha. We have rarely ever seen someone like this, and I don't know when the next time is we will see someone who does what Votto does on this level a Ted Williams style offensive talent who dominates every single aspect of the offensive part of baseball and has done it for years and may continue to. It's unlike anything I've ever seen. And I'm giving it to him because he is the most complete offensive player in the national league, in my opinion. Uh, And it's such a close race between all of these guys that I could make a strong argument for Chris Bryant, for yep. Anthony Rendon, and for Giancarlo Stanton. But in this case, I'm making the argument for Joey Votto. He's my NL MVP. I got you, man. I
1: I got to go with my preseason prediction, though. I, I think Giancarlo hitting 59 um, in a year where the ball seemed to jump off the bats more when you set a record in home runs where Giancarlo hit the most home runs since Barry Bonds in 2001 out of anybody. Um, I think that deserves some recognition, especially because he picked up the nearly pitching staff, less Marlins and dragged them into contention in, in the middle of the season where they were like, huh, we can maybe go to the playoffs. They didn't, but by himself, Giancarlo elevated that team out of, nothing and made them a middling in fact second place in the nl east team and it's gonna um, be yeah I, and, that's I get his, that. and that's his i feel fault. that I <laughs> he feel brought that. a team with with maybe one good player I'll
0: well give, three, I'll give him three 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 good I'll give players him
1: three three maybe four good offensive players three. but just major holes behind them in ozuna Yelich, d gordon and jason and jt real muto and then half a season of justin bauer but behind those guys, their, their, their lineup was full of holes. Their bullpen was awful They They traded their closer at the deadline and Giancarlo still had them in contention in August. He was the most, he was the reason they were scoring all their runs, whether he scored the runs because, uh, cause he, he was a hundred, scored 123 runs, which was I think second to Aaron judge or a third to Charlie, Charlie Blackman and Aaron judge. Um, Either he scored all the runs or he drove their runs in. Didn't matter. He just – he did everything well. Um, he set the table and helped Morris, Marcelo Zuna jump up to a 37-homer hitter and becoming a, a five-win player. I mean Marcelo Zuna stepped up from behind him. But he elevated their entire team, and I, that that's my argument for Giancarlo, especially because 59 homers, that doesn't happen. And
0: and I, you know, I'd love to see him on a playoff awesome. team too. Yeah. And, yeah. and it sounds like from the comments, Derek Jeter has been making the last few days, the new president of baseball operations for the Marlins, Derek Jeter and part owner, he, hey. uh, they're, they are going to be looking to trade him possibly. And potentially that whole outfield, that very talented outfield with Stanton and Yelich yeah. and Ozuna there's no way the cubs are not involved with at least one of those players. I they'll probably be involved on all 3 and yep. probably just be trying to negotiate and navigate to see who they can actually get out of that group. Because uh the mm-hmm. bidding wars for all 3 are going to be intense. It's going to be fun to watch, but
1: yeah, so Right, that's a that's a that's an episode for another time. How about AL MVP between probably Judge and Altuve unless you really believe in Mike Trout? overcoming uh 60 games not being there or 50 games not being there oh I absolutely
0: think okay. you can I absolutely think you can make that argument for Mike Trout yeah but uh I have to go with Aaron Judge I mean yeah you know I mean you kind of have to I mean there's it's he's an he's an extraordinary offensive player at least this year we saw the holes in his swing in mid and those are definitely issues that have to be addressed. But he's an electrifying player who hits the ball harder than anybody else in Major League Baseball, which is crazy because Giancarlo Stanton exists. But uh, but uh, he, he he tremendous raw power, basically 80 grade raw power, which never happens. Um, yep. And he's converted a lot of that into game power. This yeah. is a guy, I mean, if he made more contact on a more consistent basis, he'd hit 100 home runs a year. <laughs> but Like, uh, that's, that's uh, the entire point of it. I, I, I completely
1: agree with the judge argument, but since he's obviously the AL rookie of the year, I feel like, and so then I will argue for Jose Altuve, who was the Astros' yeah, yeah. best player, he and Altuve is the guy is the kind of guy who he has done everything well for so long, but he's always been stuck in the shadow of somebody else, where even now he's still in the shadow of a guy who towers over him who's like a foot taller than he is. And I still think little Jose Altuve can could win the AL MVP this year, and we could be finally honoring him for what he's done almost previous years where Mike Chow was just better. And then I, I mean, fifty Mike Trout missed fifty games. Altuve and Judge played one hundred and fifty-five games. I, the durability is a factor to where I just don't think that you can give Mike Trout the MVP. But Mike, but let that not take away from that. Mike Trout had another fantastic season.
0: He's the best offensive player in baseball still, and he may have even gotten better offensively this right. season. And because he's. You know, at some point we all realized that Mike Trout still had a prime, like had prime years he had to enter, which was always a scary thought. And it's like, okay, apparently he does, and give him another year, maybe two, but at least another year, and he's a Hall of Famer, and uh, you know <laughs> that's that's how he rolls. Uh, he's I mean, he's the best baseball player of our generation. He yep. will go down as such, and he deserves to. He is an extraordinary talent who cannot be matched, and uh, if he had played anything even close to a full complement of games this season, he would be the obvious MVP. But he yep. is. But, he. but no, I give it to Judge. Judge is, in my opinion, yeah. the be- he was the best player this year. Mm-hmm. If you're asking, me who, if you're asking me who will be the best player next season, I would still guess Trout. Yep. But uh, but yeah, I. And so for uh, I guess NL Cy Young, probably a pretty obvious choice. I would go with Scherzer. Another yeah. another real good year for him. Another good year for Scherzer.
1: He was a six-win pitcher, and his teammate Strasburg was there. But I just don't think nobody nobody separated themselves up into Scherzer's tier. Yeah.
0: If you're yeah. going to
1: give it to a national, you have to give it to Scherzer because you've got strikeout As numbers, a, you've got th- that work in his favor over Strasburg. You know, you've got well, who was the better pitcher for his team? Well, it was Scherzer. So, and I mean, it was even a weird year for
0: Kershaw yeah. by his standards.
1: You know, he, so. he got bit by the he got bit by the home run bug, um, which held down his value overall. Uh, I I like I'm I think it's easy for that one. The hard one was AL Cy Young
0: though. Um, I know where I lean, but I know where I stand, and I'm gonna see if you're of similar that's, mind. But... That's where that's what I'm curious because Chris Sale and Corey Kluber were fantastic. Oh, they're incredible um, pitchers, and they clearly yeah. separated themselves from the rest of the group with uh, you know that 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 next tier of guys being Severino. And then Archer and yep. uh, Carrasco, um, Justin Verlander. Verlander, yeah. yeah. Uh, but but uh, nope, I'm
1: okay. I'm a Chris Sale. I Pro Chris yeah, Sale.
0: I'm, I'm a Chris Sale guy too. All you right, know, yeah, yeah, we're on I the same really, page. Yeah, um, I
1: love I love Corey Kluber.
0: Oh, me to too. Be, yeah, be fair. and I, yeah. I'm
1: still sad about what we did to him in Game
0: Seven. But you know what? I go back With to the to the bridge. I go back to the <laughs> days when Fangrass created the Corey Kluber Society. Which oh, was man. the old joke, like we're all going to get together and watch Corey Kluber starts and admire Corey Kluber. Um, he's a great pitcher, <laughs> he yeah. is. But I made the preseason prediction that Chris Sale was going to win the AL Cy Young, and it is. I hope I hope the voters see fit to give it to him because I know that I know that Kluber's ERA might be better, but yeah, I hope it's... I hope I hope that they see fit to give it to the guy who did insane things in the number of strikeouts he racked up Mm -hmm. the the amount of soft the amount of soft contact he generated the extraordinarily low amount of hard contact he allowed the total overall dominance he showed he's been doing this for years but this was even better than i'm used to from chris sale which is saying something because he was my pick for al cy young last year (laughs) right so he took another step
1: forward and Corey kluber already has a cy young and and chris sale does not i want to honor chris sale i think chris sale deserves it Um, he was the best pitcher
0: in baseball this season yeah no question and i hope the voters honor him i know that i know that it's. I know that the Indians, with their winning streak and all, were the team to pay attention to, and they are the better team than the Red Sox, for sure. Yep. But uh, Chris Sale is the man. He is the best pitcher in baseball this season, and he is right up there with Clayton Kershaw in terms of the best pitchers I will have watched, pitched in my lifetime. Mm-hmm uh well, and i think we i think we just named the four best pitchers
1: that have pitched since we've been watching baseball and chris sale Corey kluber max scherzer clayton kershaw i mean
0: yeah it's the best and i mean i, mean, I guess we would have i mean I go, back, Maddux, I go back i go back to randy johnson but i go back to pedro martinez when i was younger pedro martinez watching yeah. his dominance but um but those are the but it's like that was it pedro martinez greg maddox randy
1: johnson those are what is now Chris Sale, Corey Kluber, Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, like those that, are those guys. It's
0: that, it's that group. We're watching those guys. <laughs> we're, we're watching that. dominant cool. We're watching that dominant group of pitchers, and it's uh, it's great to see. Um, I think the 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 rookie of the year vote, the rookie of the year for us is simple. It's Got to be um, you know, Judge in easy. the Judge in the AL and Bellinger in the NL. And can't. Yeah, it goes without saying you know like there were some fun stories matt Olson and matt chapman from the a's are forming the matt squad over for the a's those guys are incredible those guys are good in different uh, in opposite Happ. directions uh ian Haps fun reese hoskins kind of nuts reese uh, yeah
1: um Ozzie Albie's had a really good year for the Braves. But, he didn't play the full season, so he wouldn't win the Rookie of the Year, but he'll get votes because he was he was really good. I think Ozzie Albie's is going to be a really good player for them.
0: But uh, um, but it, but it, but for me, you know, obviously Bellinger and Judge, they represent kind of a new wave of players, and I don't think you should write them off for their strikeouts yet because they're they were yeah. rookies and that will improve, no question. But they do represent that that breed of player that we see who is uh, attempting higher launch angle, attempt, well, not launch angle, attempting higher exit velocity. Well, yeah, attempting higher launch yeah. angle to a degree. Launch angles. Yep. They're, they're, attempting, well, they want... they're, they're attempting that ideal launch angle, the 20 to 30 degrees yep. that gets the ball up. They want that uppercut swing. They want to launch balls into orbit. They don't want to hit it on the ground. And they do. And, uh, a philosophy that Ian Happ spoke about this season, which is what he's trying to do as well. Um, you noticed it. Yeah, he he, he spoke to fangrafts about that, in fact, about how he is an acolyte. I mean, aco- you could just tell. Yeah, he's, an, a- he's, a, he's an acolyte yeah. of the new school of hitting. And we've seen a lot of exciting guys doing that. And uh, Bellinger and Judge are sort of the avatars of it right now. And they yep. are the easy rookies of the year, and like we had mentioned before, Judge very possibly the MVP as well in his league. Uh, do you wanna do? You wanna do relievers of the year? I think the choices for that are pretty obvious. In the NLNL. uh, we could just do. I mean, relievers of the
1: year. Are what? Uh, Jansen and Kimbrell. I mean. Jansen and Kimbrell, Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean that's I mean, not even
0: difficult. Not not even a hard choice. Um,
1: and. We don't even have to talk about them. We're going to see them in the playoffs, but, and you'll hear about them plenty.
0: <laughs> what do you What do you think? Um, what do you think for manager of the year? What are you thinking? I am thinking
1: uh, the whoever the Diamondbacks manager is. I don't even remember. His Tory Lavolo. Tory, Tory,
0: Tory Lavolo. There you
1: go. That yeah. guy. That's his name. He's the NL man, manager of the year, and then I, I have to give it to Girardi. The Yankees weren't supposed to be good they they're they're in the playoff. They're in the, AL, the ALDS. You see, I I, and think they can a very of, well win it.
0: See a lot of that. So, I I I give a lot of that to the emergence of Judge and Severino as mega stars and, in their respective parts of the game.
1: Yeah, but somebody had to corral those guys and focus them into winning games. And I think Girardi. I, for me, manager of the year is usually the team that did some did the spectacular stuff or the team that really Im- clearly improved in a way that in a way that like the manager had to have some part in it. Aaron Judge isn't going to stay in the games without somebody in his head.
0: You know, for you know? me and, for me I it's a cliche so. pick but I'm going to pick Paul Molitor of the Twins. Uh, he's he's the other AL manager of the year. He uh, the
1: Twins weren't supposed to go to the playoffs.
0: You know, he in order to maximize the team's potential to win, he did have to mix and match a lot of different players, and he had to put guys in situations to succeed with a young team, with a team that is having youth, young player struggles and stuff, and with a team that had no discernible upper-level starting pitching, he had to make that work. Mm -hmm. And in the second half, the team got better. That's one thing I love to see in a manager is if their team can get better in the second half, if they can make improvements. They traded away their, to that point, best reliever in Brandon Kinsler, and their bullpen got better. Their bullpen got better. So
2: it yeah, says something.
0: I, it Yeah. Uh, like, once again, as I said earlier, I don't know how you can quantify something like managers, the unquantifiable, but um, – that's yeah. I give it to Molitor. I think your choice of Girardi is totally fair. I always love Terry Francona as well. Like I don't want to make it seem like Tito is great. He's number three. He's my number three behind Tito, yeah. Girardi and Molitor. And in and in the mm-hmm. National League, you know, my number two would have been Madden. His teams just have a way of playing better in the second half. I mean, yes. No other way to put I it.
1: Th- I think the Rockies manager got. Guy-
0: I get some credit because once but, again Bud the Black, Rockies yeah, are but, expected to have that but, second half
1: collapse. In fact, Bud Black, you
0: know, Bud Black who uh, traded up from having been the Padres manager to, yeah, he yeah. did it.
1: You know, but Bud Black did a good job this year. But I think it's clearly the Diamondbacks manager. I mean, they played great Lvo, all season. Lvo, Lvo had a good Lvo, year. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I think he's clearly the NL manager of the year. Uh, so to recap, MVP, NL MVP i have Giancarlo. carlo you have vado oh, no. uh for al mvp i have altuve you have judge yeah we both are... rookie of the year is judge, judge and bellinger. bellinger uh cy young is scherzer and sale um and then you have managers managers of the year are Lavolo, girardi for me
0: Lavolo and molitor for you
1: and I think that's pretty fair. Guys, and
0: yeah. relievers Jansen and Kimbrell, yeah, yeah. So I
1: haven't even been like mentioning that because it was
0: obviously that. Yeah, no. there's no other so. ar- there's no other argument. Yeah. So anyway,
1: um, so we've given out our, our postseason. Okay, one more postseason award before we go. Cubs MVP because Chris Bryant, as much man. as you as much as, 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 as you want to just go jump on Chris Bryant, my case is that the Cubs MVP this year was Javier Baez.
0: Okay, you see, that's that's a t- that's a tough one to. Cubs I, can, I can see what you're saying. You know, if you don't have Javier Baez, then who do you play at shortstop when Russell goes down? And like Freeman. I mean, I don't know what to say, but uh, <laughs> fair fair argument. I think, fair argument, but I've uh, still gotta, I still got I still got to go with Chris Bryant, who is one of the, is the he's one of the five best players in all of baseball. He's one of the oh, two Chris or three Ryan's best amazing. in the National League. He's, he, I think he's probably got more MVP awards of MVP awards in him in the next few years, and uh, this year showed that there's another level he can take it to, and yeah, as if an he could do this again player, with,
1: if he could hit 40 homers this next year, but also strike out 18% of the time, I mean that's that's an MVP. Yeah, he's, sure. so uh so yeah. For me, it's Chris Bryant, but, but you know, but, bias is a fair what, argument. Yeah, it's what Javi brings in terms of energy, in terms of when he makes a crazy play, which is literally every game, and it just it brings the team up. He is without Javi, you don't have some of these bursts of energy where we see Javi Baez getting a game a game tying hit in the ninth inning against he... the Brewers to set up a Chris Bryant home run in the 10th inning.
0: He is the most fu- he, he's the most fun and electric player in baseball, I'll give him that. He's the most fun and the most electric. Yep. Every time he comes to the plate in a big spot, I have no idea if he's going to sw- if he's going to strike out swinging on a ball low away low and away in the dirt that never was in the strike zone or if he's going to hit a grand slam 460 feet yep. into whatever river is behind the park we're at <laughs> but uh he he took it he took
1: his walk percentage up he even though it wasn't that much higher he did take it up he hit 22 home runs he stole bases he made tags he did crazy slides he did all he buy his things all year he plays the game in such a way he plays four or five different positions he played he, he could pop, probably play all nine <laughs> yeah he's, he, he, he's he, he, just he, such a a valuable piece for the cubs he plays the game so because of joe madden and how he uses players he so. plays he
0: plays the game with his hair on fire he plays a thousand percent all the time um and you want that out of out of your guys and javi is one of the team leaders he is one of the leaders in the clubhouse you know the the guys who he, he's one of the two or three guys who I think you can point to, and specifically when you're asked who the team leaders are, Javier Baez is probably going to be in the top three or four of most people's lists, um, just because he does. His mood influences how a lot of these guys feel and play. His attitude brings everybody else up. Mm-hmm. I've never seen Javi get down on himself, on the team he he doesn't do it he's an he's an um, an incredibly positive person yeah. he he in, he is an incredibly positive person and that yeah so that
1: bleeds I, that bleeds through
0: all right so i think that's i think that's good this one's a long mm-hmm. this is a little bit longer episode but we'll be back maybe in a week maybe two we'll 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 be back soon we'll be back soon yep. definitely after the NLDS, whatever the outcome may be, we will be back. And, uh, you know, so keep tuned to the Twitter account and to our Twitter accounts, at Blues at DWest9Cubs for David, at DG Bloomberg for me, the other David. And uh, make sure to keep a lookout for more great stuff from us and make sure to cheer on the Cubs on Friday and Saturday nights. Put on your Cubs gear. Get ready for it. It's going to be, in another, it's going to be another great postseason. I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to it. Let's win, too.
1: Let's win, too, baby. Let's
0: win, too. All right. All right. See you guys. See ya. All right. Sing Those Cubby Blues is co-hosted by David Bloomberg and David Westgreen, produced and edited by David Bloomberg, with logo provided by Randall J. Sanders, who can be found at Randall J. Sanders on Twitter. To find more information about the podcast, go to at Sing Cubby Blues on Twitter or visit one of us at DGBloomberg or at DWest9Cubs on Twitter, where you can engage with us and talk about us and maybe even give us ideas for future episodes. Once again, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll return for the next episode, which we hope to have up soon. Keep following the Cubs, keep cheering them on, and you'll be hearing from us again in the future. Thanks.